Thank you, Bob Gay, for that prelude. And uh, always excited to hear patriotic songs that glorify God. And uh, that was one for us to listen to today. Um, there are several announcements that I'd like to make to you as a congregation that uh, are important for you as well as for the life of the church. Before I get into the regular announcements, I have an announcement that I need to make on behalf of Consistory. As you're aware, on Wednesday, July the 1st, and I believe they're going to show this on the slide, uh, Governor Wolf signed an edict declaring that one must wear a mask any time one leaves home and continue to maintain social distances as far as how we're supposed to act and be around one another. The governor stated this mask wearing order is essential to stopping the recent increase in COVID-19 cases, which we have seen in Pennsylvania. Those hotspots can be traced to situations where Pennsylvanians were not wearing masks or practicing social distancing. Two practices that must be adhered to if we want to maintain the freedoms we have in place under our reopening. Each of our consistory men has given the matter careful thought and prayer and in light of our God-given duty to honor our government has given in Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 7 and 1 Peter 2, 15 through 17, we are to subject ourselves to their authority. Consequently, beginning on Sunday, July the 12th, we ask that you adhere to the following guidelines as you enter Lighty's Church building for public worship in demonstration of our united and humble submission to Christ. First, please be advised that the, that the face mask mandate applies to anyone two years and older. Persons who cannot wear face mask covering due to a medical condition or disability are exempt from this order. Two, please only sit with people from your family. Three, please wear a face mask when you are not seated in the pew or if you happen to be in the fellowship seating area. Four, please do not sit in the roped off rows in the sanctuary. Five, please sit six feet away from different households sitting in the same pew when moving about or standing or talking, please maintain social distancing protocols, including wearing a mask. And finally, please stay home. If you have a fever over 100.4 or above, or if you are feeling ill. We wanna thank you for your loving and respecting one another through this most difficult time. Please continue to pray for our governing authorities and for the spiritual leadership of this local church as we gratefully worship and serve
the Lord together. Some other announcements that I needed to make today um, are for those that have been sick or in the hospital this week, first of all. Ed Schmidt, uh, we've been praying for him. He was released from the hospital earlier this week and is home being treated for the open leg wound um, from his accident at work. He has nursing care to redress the wound and is scheduled to see the doctor tomorrow. And they're going to reassess the injuries and decide when to surgically close his leg wound. His grandson, Wyatt Schof, was taken to CHOP on Friday to prepare for a surgical procedure tomorrow also, to place a shunt in his head to relieve swelling and fluids in his brain. Please pray for also his mom, Sarah, and dad, Ben, as well. Frank Allenbach is scheduled to have back surgery on Tuesday the 7th at Abington Hospital in Abington to repair herniated discs in his lower back. Some of you had heard that Brett and Jennifer Keeble's son Nicholas was supposed to go in for surgery on Thursday the 2nd, but it was postponed and will be scheduled later. Elaine Frank, I don't see her here. Um, Elaine Frank had her second cataract surgery on the, oh, she's going to have it on the 7th, on Tuesday. And also I wanted to make you aware that Barb Gaiman's dad, Bill Wack, has been in the hospital with blood clots in his arm and shoulder that were actually developed after his uh, um, valve replacement. So be in prayer for him. Um, at this time, I'd like to ask Dana Gaiman to come forward and uh, have him give you a report on the pulpit committee's progress for, seeing, uh, for searching for a, a senior pastor. So, Dana, without any further delay. I wanted to give you a brief update this morning on what we've been doing as a pulpit committee. Um, first of all, know that... 35 years ago when this was done was probably completely different from what we're trying to do this time. 35 years ago, we just called the uh, denomination. They would have been able to send us some resumes. Um, this time, we have to go out and advertise for ourselves and try to figure out how to get a hold of people. Back then, they probably sent you a resume in the mail. Now we have email, which is a lot more efficient. Um, we would have had to travel to churches to view somebody doing a sermon, or maybe have them send us a cassette tape, if you remember cassette tapes. Um, now we just go to YouTube or a church website. We're able to view um, examples of sermons from candidates that way. Uh, we've advertised on about 15 seminary websites, as well as churchstaffing.com. We've received 69 applications so far. Um, We've done eight interviews over Zoom with people, and we have some more scheduled right now. So we're continuing to do things. We're continuing to weed through. Like I said, that's a, 69 is a lot of applications, a lot of sermons to watch, 
a lot of resumes to read through and decide do we even want to watch a sermon from the person or not? Uh, do we want to meet with them? So like I said, we did eight interviews so far. We have a few more scheduled already, um, but we're continuing to work through it. We don't feel like we found the exact right fit for our church yet, but we're trying to be fussy, if you want to use that word. Um, <clears throat> Jill Ott always reminds us in the meeting, we don't want to just settle for somebody, we want the right person. So continue to pray, really continue to pray. If you didn't read your newsletter article from us, I think it's on the back cover of the newsletter article, some of the things, please pray for discernment. When we're watching a sermon, when we're reading through a resume, um, pray that we'd have discernment to really know if this is a good fit for us or not. Uh, pray for patience, not only for us on the committee, but for you guys who would probably like to hear that we're going to have a, somebody come and preach next Sunday for you to listen to, but we're not at that point yet. So pray for patience. Uh, pray for preparation for the person who we're going to be calling. Pray that their heart would be getting prepared, their family would be being prepared. They could be moving from another part of the country. A lot of the people we're talking to are in the Midwest, down south, California, um, Nevada. We've talked to people from all over the country. So uh, continue to pray that they would be being prepared for a calling. Um, and then one of the things we just want to pray for is during this time when we don't have a pastor, a full-time pastor, uh, head pastor, we do have different people that are going to be coming to preach. So we just pray, uh, ask you to pray for them that you'd bless them as they prepare messages for us and uh, prepare for that. I don't know. Were you going to be announcing who's going to be preaching? Uh, I can. I can do it, too. Go ahead. Nope. Go ahead and do it. Whoa, sorry about that. Go ahead and um, do it. Just so you know, like I said in, in, in the beginning, we are having services. We do have people coming to preach, even though John's retired. Um, Pastor Steve and Pastor Michael will both be taking turns. We have Bill Tate, who's going to be coming to do some preaching, and Denny Barger, and they'll be rotating through from week to week. So there will be somebody here different every week uh, for you to listen to. So I encourage you to pray for them as well. Does anybody have any questions? The last time I did this was like the second week of lockdown, and I was talking to people online, but like five people here, the praise team basically. Does anybody have any quick questions for me? If not, or if you come up with something you don't want to ask here, um, in the newsletter is the listing of everybody who's on the pulpit committee. Feel free to reach out to any of us. Stop us in the narthex, give us a call, whatever. We'll be glad to talk to you about anything. Okay? Thank you very much. Thank you, Dana. Yep. Appreciate that. Well, at this time, I'd like to ask the praise team to come forward, and I'll, they'll lead us into the presence of the Lord through praise and song. Good morning. Good morning. We're seeing a lot of stuff happening in our country right now that does not look very positive. Um, a lot of things I think that I'd like to see shift a little bit different. There's just always something it seems like going on and you always hear about some new crisis or something else in America. When I think of those times, I often think back to a guy named Chuck Colson. Now, I think most of you know who that is, but just in case you don't, um, Chuck Colson worked for President Nixon right around the time of the Watergate scandal. As a matter of fact, Chuck Colson was um, arrested and put in jail for his involvement in the whole scandal. While in jail, he met someone who actually led him to the Lord. I forget who it was. It may have been Billy Graham, I think it was, um, who actually led him to the Lord. He became a Christian in jail. 
And his whole perspective, his whole outlook changed. He had first kind of believed that the, the government really would run the United States. That was the whole purpose of the government. We, they would kind of control what's going on. And he realized in jail, as when he became a Christian, he realized that it's not the government who's in control. As a matter of fact, his most famous quote was, when we're looking for help, it's not going to come from Air Force One. The help that our country needs is going to come from God alone. I think about some of the verses in the Bible that talk about the God being king, about Christ being king and ruler of this world. He really is the king of this world. He's the king of this land. No matter what's happening around us, Christ is in control. The songs this morning are all about that. The battle belongs to God. It's not ours. Give it over to him. So I do ask us, even as a congregation, constantly be in prayer for our nation and pray to the God who truly is king of it all. So I'll ask you to stand this morning as we sing and worship and praise that God this morning, the God who's in control of all of this.
the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance The King of glory, the King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you will take my place That you would bear my
King of glory, coming on the clouds with fire, the whole earth shakes, the whole earth shakes. I see His love and mercy washing over all our sin. The people sing, the people sing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, what an awesome God you are. We see the sunshine out here today, and we see the glory of all that you've created, all the wonderful flowers, the green grass, the crops that are growing, the fruits that are on the trees. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. All of that was made to show your glory and to sustain us in, in everything that we need, the air we breathe, the food we eat, 
thank you, Lord, for all of that. Thank you for the gift that you've given us here in the United States, that we have a free country, that we can worship you freely, and that we were founded on your principles, that you were the guiding light to the creation of this wonderful American experiment. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us to remember that today is a day that we celebrate the people who have um, founded our country and who have sacrificed to keep us free, to allow us to be able to uh, praise you and worship you freely. Help us to remember that, that these things were not free and they weren't easy and that uh, our lives should be a reflection of the sacrifice that they have done for us, but more importantly, the sacrifice you, Lord, have done for us, that you sent your son who came from glory and came here and died so that we could be with him in heaven. Thank you for that precious gift and help us to remember to turn to you in our times of suffering that and also in times of praise that we give all things to you, Lord, that um, nothing happens apart from your will. We thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would send the Holy Spirit here to open up our eyes, to open up our hearts, to fill each one of us, and to speak through Pastor Steve, to give us food um, for our souls so that we can take that out to wherever you've placed us in life, um, to be a light and to share your word. Um, and help us to be bold that we can be discerning and know what to say, but to say it to spread the good news of who you are and what you can do for us. We thank you, Lord, for all the things that are to come in this service. May they be worthy to give you praise, honor, and glory. And we ask it all in the name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. And before you see to make sure to greet those around you, uh, wave to them, blow a kiss, do anything you can remotely and distantly. At this time, <clears throat> like to have us look into the scriptures. Our Old Testament passage is Isaiah chapter 61 and verses 1 through 3. Of course, as you're turning there, uh, one of the things that I would like to say is that the first two verses here were the very verses that Jesus spoke when he was in a synagogue in Nazareth at the beginning of his earthly ministry. And he said to them after he read those verses, today these verses are fulfilled. So as we look at this particular passage, we need to remember that this is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and him being the fulfiller of it. Listen here to God's word. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
Amen. Our gospel passage is found in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and we'll be looking at verses 13 through 20. This also will be familiar to you because this is during the time of Jesus' ministry when he asks his disciples who they believe he is. And of course, we'll hear Peter's confession. Listen here to God's word. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he, he was asked, asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Parjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. And then our epistle reading is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and this will be our primary text today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. Listen here to God's word. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory justice from the Lord, the Spirit. Amen. At this time, I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and silently meditate upon God's word that we have read. Our Father in heaven, we come in Jesus' name to thank you and praise you for first loving us and giving your Son to be our Savior. And we thank you that in him we stand complete. But even more importantly than that truth is the truth that now we are your beloved children. And we want to tell you that we love you today. 
we do pray for the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to open our minds, to open the very depths of our hearts and souls so that we might receive from you the true food that'll feed us, that'll show us the way to live for you so that we might continue not only in this service of worship but throughout the days that you give us glorify the name of our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, recently, uh, in my life and in the lives of other family members of this church, our focus, if you will, has been on our vision. Uh, I can name a number of people, Nancy, uh, who's playing the uh, organ without glasses. Um, there's also been Glenn, Elaine, who's going in to have her second cataract surgery t- on Tuesday. There's been Stan Friday. All of us have gone through the process of cataract surgeries. Now, some of you are wondering, do I see you with 20-20 vision? Not yet but I know who you are. In fact, I remember one of our secretaries, I believe it was Denise, who said, maybe that you could get a group rate. For the young people sitting here, who may have a question of what is a cataract, because you're typically seeing everything clearly, having 20-20 vision, well, let me define to you what a cataract is. And this comes from Oxford Dictionary. It's a medical condition in which the lens of the eye becomes progressively opaque, resulting in blurred vision. And I can give testimony uh, on behalf of my own experience that it seems like there was like a cloudy covering or veil that was forming over my eye lenses. And it was masking my vision. I could not see clearly. But it was also causing light that would normally pass through my eye not to come into my eyes. So things were getting dark. And the only way that that can be corrected is through cataract surgery. Well, Mayo Clinic is a definition of what cataract surgery is. It is a procedure performed to remove a cloudy lens from the eye, and in most cases, replace it with an artificial lens. And that is exactly what happened to me the last two weeks. This is a great segue into what Paul is dealing with here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Because Paul is trying to make a comparison as well as a contrast between the old and the new covenant. The old covenant he's trying to tell his readers is something that is fading away. Just like Moses, 
when he left the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he put a veil over his face and because the glory that was showing on his face was not only hard to look at, but it was also fading away. And on this first slide, we read in the passages there of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11, we find out that the old covenant, though it was founded on God's law, it was written or engraved on stone. And it demands perfection. However, though it demands perfection, it gives the sinner no capacity whatsoever to consistently obey it. Therefore, the glory, if you will, of the old covenant is based on perfect obedience to the whole law of God. And that's why Paul describes it in verses 7 and 9 as a ministry of death or a ministry of condemnation for sinners because no one was able to keep it. It's then that he moves on a little bit later in that first segment of 2 Corinthians 3, and he says to us that the new covenant supersedes the old because the new covenant is fully ratified and established by Christ's saving work. Amen. And it is a glorious truth that we need to embrace because it will never fade away, not like the glory of the old covenant previously. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter, three, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, we read, and if you'll turn there with me, you can read it along. I think it's going to be put up on screen as well. 1 Peter chapter 3 I mean, chapter one, verse three, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperable and undefiled and will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, what Paul's getting at here is that the law formally engraved on stone is being supplanted with the law of God. And that law of God is written in the new covenant on human hearts by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says here in verse 10 of this chapter of 2 Corinthians that indeed this particular new covenant that has been written on our hearts is indeed, though it has glory, in this case, the old covenant has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. 
And then he goes on and says, for if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. In fact, in verse nine of this same chapter, he tells us that this new covenant is a ministry of righteousness that abounds in glory to sinners who by God's grace repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul brings out this truth even more um, in chapter four of Romans and verse 13. For we read in the context of the promise that was made to Abraham how the law did not take place, take the place of the promise that was given to him. For it says here in verse 13, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And that's why we read Isaiah 61 verses one through three, because Jesus is the fulfiller of that prophetic promise that is given by Isaiah. In fact, at verse three, he says very clearly, so they, meaning those who receive that ministry of the Lord through the Spirit, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Well, that's just the introduction. Because in verse 12, we would not understand Paul's opening statement here if we didn't understand how great and how wondrous and how glorious the new covenant is in the Lord Jesus Christ for those that believe. For he says here in verse 12, since we have such hope, we are very bold. You see, the new covenant promises us who have our, not only to have our sins forgiven, but to be fully reunited in, in right relationship with our God through the gift that he gives us of eternal life in faith in Jesus Christ. Paul has in view, and we should have in view, this marvelous spectacle of the glorious reality that has been created for us in Christ. It produces hope. It energizes our faith to live boldly and confidently, even testifying about our Savior in this world. In fact, he says here in verse 13 that we're not to be like Moses. What was Moses doing with the glory that he had received from the old covenant? He used to put a veil over his face so that people would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. What we are, beloved, is new creatures in Christ Jesus. 
And our position is eternally secure. It is glorious because we are in Christ. In fact, in this same letter, in chapter 5, in verse 17 and following, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Beloved, I believe that we need to rehear what Jesus was saying during the Sermon of the Mount. Because I think in all of the confusion and trouble that has come with this virus, we have lost sight of what Jesus said to us in that sermon. He has said very clearly, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Please let us not be like those that Paul is referring to in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 because he describes them as those who have their minds hardened. You see, they may still be religiously reading the word but their minds are hardened. He goes on and he says, the same veil remains unlifted. They did not perceive, if you will, the, how the old covenant was fading. It was transitory in its purpose. They never crossed over to realize that it was but a tutor as Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it was the tutor to lead them to Christ so that they might be justified by faith. This sad situation continues because he goes on and he says in verse 15, but to this day, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. And sadly, it still is happening today. The veil, not only for Jews, but for others who read God's word. There still is the veil over the spiritual eyes of their heart. And they're living out what Paul wrote about even in Romans chapter 11 and verses 7 and 8 where we read, What then? 
What, what Israel is seeking, it did not obtain, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it's written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. Even our Lord Jesus, while he was on earth, trying to tell people and to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand, had to deal with this reality. In fact, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 13 and look with me at verses um, 13 through 17, we'll see that he is actually dealing with this as he's teaching people in parables. And he says, after the disciples ask him, why are you teaching in parables? He answers them and he says, therefore I speak to them in parables because while seeing they do not see. And while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In this case, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return, and I should heal them. You see, even the Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, talked about this natural sight of of being spiritually blind of the natural man. For he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually or praised. Or just in the next chapter here in verses 3 and 4, he says this, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What Paul is getting at here And I think it's an important point for us as believers today. And I believe it's the main point of his argument here that we need to hear is this. God alone opens spiritually blind eyes, deaf ears, and dull minds. Or sinners are without hope being without God in this world. And that's why we as believers need to let our light shine before men. That's why we are called to be the light of the world, 
to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ so that people can hear and by God's grace have their eyes open, their hearts made new by the work of the Holy Spirit and become new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that's what he gets at here in verse 16. He says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Praise God. But notice here, he says, the only way that spiritual veil of darkness and death is going to be removed and the dullness of the mind is by turning to Christ. And to him alone. And when that happens, beloved, when that happens, new life, new creation occurs in the life of a sinner. And that believer can claim the same promise that Paul gave to us as believers in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. For we read, excuse me, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And that's why he says here in verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is no liberty for sinners apart from the spirit of the Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is. And this shows how close the relationship is between the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ in regard to our salvation. In fact, Paul brings out a, a word about this liberty in Galatians chapter five and verse one, where we read, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again to the yoke of slavery. In other words, don't go back and try to keep the Old Testament covenant. You cannot. But even with that being said, he balances that with what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. He says, for you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled with, in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, With that being said, we need to realize that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, the promise of the Holy Spirit 
was given. And when he came down, he came down to be our helper, our counselor. He is the spirit of Christ. He is the spirit of truth. He came to indwell and abide in believers forever. He came to seal us unto the day of redemption. He came to teach us, to guide us, to give us spiritual gifts, to inspire, to confirm, to sanctify, and to empower us to do the works of God as his beloved children. And that's why Paul ends this section by saying, but we all, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. It was just like Jesus' response to Peter's confession. What did he say to Peter? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Flesh and blood will never be able to restore spiritual sight for a a sinner. It must be the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit through the gospel, bringing new life, new heart, removing the veil from our eyes. Because we as believers... We have spiritual vision and insight now. Our faces are uncovered, as he says. We have unveiled faces. We behold the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Paul in his earlier letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. Or in this particular letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 we read, therefore we do not lose heart But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day from glory to glory. And though momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. God's at work in all of our lives. And this particular truth that he is relaying to us, that we are people of the new covenant, fully ratified, established in Christ Jesus, eternally in glory. 
we need to ask ourselves, what could be more liberating truth for sinners still veiled, living in spiritual darkness and death than to have them and encourage them to turn to Christ. And for us as believers, what could be more liberating truth for us who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and we are living spiritually in the light, in the truth, in the life, the eternal life that's in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. You still see yourself veiled over. The cloud is still there. You cannot see the spiritual truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ the way you know you should. Let me, let me point you to Romans chapter 10 because Paul, through inspiration, says this to you today, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And some applications for us today. I hope you were able to see that God is the author of all spiritual knowledge and God blesses those he chooses to reveal that knowledge to. Secondly, God's spiritual knowledge is liberating truth. We're talking about Independence Day. You will not be liberated until you receive the liberating truth of the gospel. It can set free those who are living in spiritual darkness and in bondage to sin and remove the enmity between that person and God. It's for those who by God's grace receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Three, God graciously reveals himself and lovingly 
unites those because he enables us to live devotedly in love with him by his divine instructions in his word. But there is a warning that I wanted to leave as well. Remember, God's word is God-breathed. To ignore it or to forsake God's truth is to ignore and forsake God. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And though we've traveled through your word today in many ways, we see the theme and the truth that it bears for us that indeed the old covenant was transitory. That the new covenant not only surpasses it, but it supplants it because it is ratified and established in the Lord Jesus Christ for those who believe, who repent and believe. And we ask, Lord, that we would see how great a place we are in as your children being in that new covenant. May we be proclaimers of it, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to not only those that we know, but those that you put in our path so that they might be, have their veil, the veil, the spiritual veil taken off of them, off of their hearts and become unveiled and grow and be transformed into the image of Christ from one step of glory to another. We pray in Jesus' name, amen bulletin on the inside cover there's a confession of sin first I'd like to ask us to stand and as you take out your bulletins I'd like to ask you to privately pray and seek the Lord if there's any sins that you need to confess to confess them to him and then we'll join in the corporate confession that's in our bulletins let's bow our heads let's close our eyes Let us pray. Let us join together in a corporate confession. O God, it is you who knows our folly and our wrongs are not hidden from you. We have wandered away from your truth. We confess our waywardness and we humbly ask that you forgive us. May your salvation, O God, set us securely on high and we will praise the name of our God. Amen. Our assurance of pardon can be found in hymn number 642, God of our Fathers.
Thank you, Kurt and Nancy. Appreciate that. Uh, if you would, please, at this time, take out the blue laminated sheet. And on the side that has the Apostles' Creed, would you turn there, please? And then let us say what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, I'd like to ask you to join me in a time of prayer. And uh, after I uh, pray, we'll, we'll do the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you a grateful people. We thank you so much that we could meet this morning to worship you. We thank you that we could be here to sing your praise. For you are worthy, O oh Lord, of all honor and glory and blessing. And we want to acknowledge that you are Lord. Lord of all things around us, but Lord of our lives as well. We praise you and we thank you for the life that we have in you. We give you thanks and praise that we can as a nation celebrate Independence Day. And we thank you, Lord God, for all the festivities that, that we were able to partake of yesterday. But Lord, may that realization of our independence be something that we never lose sight of as coming from you. Because True liberty, true freedom comes only through Christ. We do pray, Lord God, for those that are in authority over us. We pray, Lord God, that during this difficult time of dealing with this pandemic, that you would give them your wisdom and not the wisdom of the world so that the decisions that are made are based on truth and not on speculation. God, we thank you and praise you that uh, we have an opportunity here to continue to meet as a church family, and we pray that that would be preserved. We do want to thank you, Lord God, for how you've made us, and we do thank you, Lord, for our eyes. Lord, thank you that uh, we can see close up or at a very great distance. The eye is a wonderful creation of yours. And, 
see colors and textures and, uh, Lord, even dimensions of vision, Lord, that you've given to us. We thank you and praise you for it. But once again, we thank you most of all for removing the veil over our hearts and eyes so that we might see the glorious truth of the gospel of our Savior. We praise you, Lord God, for how you've been with us this week. God, uh, thank you for being able to release Ed Schmidt from the hospital. Thank you so much, Lord, for the progress that he is making at home. And Lord, we do pray that as he goes through these treatments daily to keep the wound free of infection, that Lord, you would bless that. Uh, Be with the nurses, be with his wife as they both team up to help him through this process. And be with Ed, Lord. Grant him, Lord, just the, the peace of God. And Lord, grant that injury area healing. Lord, we commit him to you. We pray for his, even his meeting with the doctor tomorrow that, Lord, you'd give your direction to him as well as to the doctors. We pray also, Lord, for Wyatt. We thank you, Lord, for his safe arrival at CHOP on Friday. We do pray for this surgical procedure that's supposed to take place tomorrow. We ask that as they put this shunt in his head, that the swelling and fluids would be relieved and that, Lord, he would show promise and progress as the procedure goes forth. We pray also, Lord, for Frank Allenbach, who has surgery on Tuesday at Abington Hospital. Lord, he's in severe pain or he wouldn't be going through it. So we ask, Lord God, that you would give him grace until this surgery takes place to relieve his pain. And Lord, that these herniated discs that are going to be addressed on Tuesday would be uh, just taken care of through the doctor's surgery and that you'd bring a speedy recovery from the surgery to Frank and relief of his pain. We do pray for Brett and Jennifer and their little son, Nicholas, as though this surgery has been postponed, we do pray, Lord, that as it's uh, reinstated and and scheduled, that, Lord, you would, uh, in the meantime, strengthen Nicholas, uh, make his body ready for the surgery, and may it be successful. We also pray for Elaine Frank as she goes in for her second cataract surgery on Tuesday that, Lord, all would go well, and that, Lord, you'd give her peace in her heart as she goes through it, and great precision and care to the doctors as they perform the surgery. We pray for Barb Gaiman's dad, uh, that, Lord, you'd allow these blood clots in his arm and shoulder to just dissipate and go away, and that, Lord, you'd continue to bring healing to his body and strength to him, as he continues to recover from his earlier surgeries as well. Lord, we'd be amiss if we didn't pray for our pulpit committee. Oh God, uh, be with all those that are involved. Thank you for their uh, commitment. Thank you for their desire to seek you and and desire your will for uh, 
them as they uh, deliberate and as they go through the process of vetting particular candidates. Lord, guide and direct them just to the right one. Your choice for the, as next senior pastor here at Lighty's Church. And may you be glorified through this body uh, as we minister together. We pray for the rummage sale happening on Wednesday and Thursday. Lord, uh, bless not only Mary Beth, but all the helpers. And Lord, we pray that you raise up volunteers that'll come and help with not only the setup, but also the tear down and the time when people are buying. Lord, give uh, that whole volunteer staff wisdom on how best to care uh, with this, uh, the separation that is necessary during this period of time. We pray also, Lord God, for um, just other ministries in our area. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Liberty Ministries who seeks to reach out to prisoners. Um, Lord, we pray in the Southeast PA area. We pray for them, Lord. Pray that as they've had to deal with major layoffs and now that they're doing startups and in their thrift stores as well as uh, trying to await the time when they can go back into the prisons, Lord, that you would just encourage them and give them wisdom as to what they're supposed to do in the meantime, in this transition. We also want to lift up to you Faith Bible Fellowship Church in Harleysville for Pastor Andy Cosgrove as well as Mike Walker. We pray, Lord, that they would be faithful to the Word of God, that they would uh, be guided by your Holy Spirit as they teach and preach your Word, and that, Lord, may the congregation be re, uh, very receptive and open to receive from you uh, words of life, and may it transform their lives as they serve you together. We also want to pray for Chariots for Hope particularly for the Mahiga Children's Home in Kenya, the one that uh, we support financially. We, we pray for David. We pray for all the staff there, Lord, that you would bless them because they too are dealing with this COVID virus. Lord, keep them all healthy and strong and allow them, Lord, to continue the work there in such a way that the name of Christ might be glorified in the hearts and lives of those children that they are ministering to. And Lord, we also want to lift up this congregation. God, continue to bless us. Help us to make these uh, unfortunate adjustments to the latest mandate and help us to do it in Christian love and with understanding toward one another. And Lord, preserve the unity of this congregation in your peace. And now, Lord, we join our voices as we have our hearts to pray the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 641. Let's stand as we sing, America the Beautiful.
Praise God. Thank you. Uh, chancel railing area here is open for anyone who may be led by the Lord to pray. There are people who will join you in prayer, whatever your need might be. Go forth into this world in peace and be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good and render to no man evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, and honor all men. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ by your words and by your deeds. And in this way, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.